It's time to delve in a delicious cup of coffee. Hi. Hi. You're just in time for coffee. Somebody get me some coffee. Want another cup of coffee? Good to the last drop. Don't forget your coffee. And bite into some tasty conspiracies. This is Coffee and Conspiracies. Welcome to Coffee and Conspiracies, where a couple clueless college kids review fresh brews and debate conspiracy views. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Logan Reed. I'm joined by my co-host. I am Riley, uh, and we are joined by an awesome guest today for a very fun topic. Uh, If you want to introduce yourself. Yes, my name's uh, John Sinclair. I'm a physics professor, and I think we're going to be talking about... Whether or not we landed on the moon. That's exactly what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about the moon landing. One of our tentpole conspiracy theories, as I like to call it, like one of the big ten, as as I would classify it, I guess would be a good way to put it. Yeah, it's definitely right along with like Area 51 Mm -hmm. and and some of the other big conspiracies. Paul is dead, you know, the Illuminati, you know, the the big ones, everyone that like, the more conversational conspiracies, if you will. Definitely. Um, So today we're going to be drinking a um, a Royal Kona blend from the Hawaii Coffee Company while we're talking about this. Um, But to kick it off, do you have any like just opening like thoughts or ideas or anything about the conspiracy, like your views on it just to kick us off? So whether or not we landed on the moon, of course, is something that's been around for a long time with a variety of theories from the fact that uh, Kubrick put put it together on a stage sound set to... Uh, you know, the Van Allen belt and whether or not people can make it through that without dying. Uh, and there, there are a lot of really good answers to most of these questions. Uh, but there are a few that, if I'm being honest, there is no answer because nobody was there, you know, or mm. nobody currently was there. Uh, but <clears throat> I would, I would say in general, uh, I'm pretty confident that we landed on the moon primarily because who benefits if we didn't? He just asked one of the most important questions that I ever ask on this show, but we'll get back to that later. But I just wanted to point that out real quick. He just asked one of the best questions that I think anybody could ever ask about a conspiracy theory. Uh, yeah. So if you're not well versed in the conspiracy world or in some of these bigger theories, um, the the whole lunar landing conspiracy is um, the idea that NASA and the U.S. government misled its citizens and other countries by saying that we landed on the moon and recording a fake video, uh, the one that sort of goes around the like the the one uh, giant leap for mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah, the conspiracy is that never happened. Um, they used a stage and they used like uh, harnesses and rope rigs like in like in Hollywood movies to simulate zero gravity and that it was just all a big lie. Um, I know when I hear the conspiracy, most of the time um, people are talking about like the reason that our country would have faked the moon landing was like to um, just beat the USSR in something or to try to bankrupt them or um, basically just like propaganda to mess with uh, USSR at the time because mm-hmm. that was like right up in the Cold War. Um, Space and, race, all of that. Like that's the main thing that... Yeah, that's always... I always hear that too. It's like, oh, we faked the moon landing in order to prove that because the USSR did beat us to space. Like that's factually correct. They they were the first to put a, you know, a living creature in space. And I believe it was a dog, correct? It was a dog and... Yes. And oh, they did like a... Cosmo. I was like, it's Cosmo. I only know that because of Marvel Comics, but that's a whole separate story. Um, The point is that the dog, you know, took a revolution, a couple of revolutions around the earth, or not revolutions, orbit around the earth, 
couple of times and then came back down. And so we're like, oh, they put a dog up into space. I guess we got to actually put a person up there. Like there's no, there's no other level that we can surpass other than, yeah, we got to put a person up there now. And a lot of people think that we just didn't have the technology. We didn't have the, you know, ability to do so. So we faked it. And I think it's been attributed as like, um, we never landed. There's like a book that started this whole conspiracy. Like we never landed on the moon. America's $30 million swindle or something like that. And so it just, it caused this idea that w the government is yet again lying to us uh, about whatever. Again, we talked about this when we talked about Area 51. The government's always lying to us about something. I don't, uh, I don't believe, I, maybe, but at the same time, like, uh, who am I to question that? You know, sometimes there's some, some things I just don't want to know. Like, I can live peacefully not knowing if we ever landed on the moon or not. It just is what it is. I mean, for me, conspiratorial thinking is so tempting because conspiracies actually exist. Right. Uh, you know, um, and for example, right, we, we did do medical experiments on, on unwitting populations like mm -hmm. that happened um, and a variety of other things. And it's just it's just one more piece. And, and sometimes uh, it's also easier to believe that the government is lying to you than the government's inept because from the outside, conspiracy and ineptitude look the same. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's a Dan, Dan Carlin thing. I still, no, it's not. But uh, some other famous podcaster said that. But it's true. Uh, and there is there is a lot to that. I mean, it's also sort of adjacent to another modern conspiracy theory that gained a lot of traction too, which is flat Earth theory. Mm -hmm. um, and it goes it goes along well with that. But the majority of of these ideas, I think, are. I mean, if you really wanted to hit the prop uh, propaganda machine, I think you'd you'd worry more about the fact that we beat the Russians to ballistic missiles than yeah. getting getting yeah, to outer space, like, That's... right? I mean. <laughs> So at some point, it's on the other hand that's classified where the moon landing doesn't have to be. So right, it's, it's I think a it's complicated. A very, I think it's a very valid point to bring up too. Because another thing that I think is really cool about like conspiracy theories and the the thinking behind it is that I feel like in more less or in less extreme environments such as like this, where we can just casually talk about it while sipping on a nice cup of coffee, it's a great way to express different ways of thinking and different ideas behind how you can think differently. It's, it's a more uh, like acceptable medium because people do it without, without thinking about it. Like we are sharing different ways. We think about this one thing without realizing it until we were to sit here and be like, Hey, this is exactly what we're doing. And I just, that's what I find cool about conspiracy theories. And especially with something like this, because there's so many different aspects of the moon landing that you could discuss, right? Like the big one that I was always uh, focused on specifically, I was, I remember hearing this in an eighth grade science class and ironically, that was the first time I was, I was ever learning physics. And my teacher was convinced, my teacher convinced, tried to convince us of a lot of things. One of the things being, there's a conspiracy that we need to talk about down the road, is that uh, the Virgin Mary is buried under the Louvre. But that's a whole separate discussion. Oh yeah, trust me, there's, that's a whole separate discussion. But he tried telling our class one time that the moon landing was fake simply because of, if you look at the flag in the video, there's like movement and the, there's not enough uh, air um, atmosphere on the surface of the moon in order to create a breeze like that. So it had to have been faked. That, that, that was one of his pieces of logic. Plus the fact that we didn't really have color in TV back then. And that you could kind of make out the color of the flag. I don't know. There was a, I, I'm remembering this from like years ago, but the big one was the, the atmosphere and the wind uh, of the mm. flag. So the two easiest pieces to debunk uh, and, and big ones that people bring up are the flag and then 
uh, who's the cameraman for for the moon landing, right? right? Uh, and those are those are super easy because if you're going to set up a photo op, what are you going to do? Everybody knows what the atmosphere in space is. Well, you're going to make a flagpole with the top telescoping bracket, right? Mm-hmm. So it so it causes the flag to to look good, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a simple marketing major that's <laughs> you know thinking about this, especially from a propaganda standpoint, is going to be like, well, we need this to look good, so we need to. We need to design that aspect of it. And also, I mean, you're taking a flag that was not necessarily cared for the way we typically care for flags when it's shoved into uh, a spaceship. And so it's coming out wrinkled and a variety of other things. So it's not going to um, look the way you might expect it to. But it's really that telescoping piece on the top that caused that. And then the the camera one is, is interesting, right? Because like who did shoot that? If you're also doing this from a propaganda standpoint, you would put a camera on the outside of the lander, right? Mm -hmm. So you just have a camera attached to the lander, which is going to have to be there. So you don't have a cameraman. You have a fixed camera. Yeah, you've got a a camera. Yeah. So those are interesting, but kind of the easy ones to debunk. Right. And then and that's usually the pieces of information that people buy into the most is like, is because it's the easiest ones to believe, like you said, but they're also the easiest ones to debunk. See, Logan, you mentioned the, um, like the color film idea. Cause mm-hmm. I, now I believe at the time we did have some color film. It was just a bit more rare, but uh, along the same lines, like if you're, I mean, I could be wrong with that, but, uh, the, the thing that comes to mind when people bring up like the whole, the color film, um, idea is, if you're are if you've already raised thirty billion dollars to send some people to the moon and you know you're gonna record it, like you're gonna you're gonna put a good camera on See, that. See what's funny lander. about that? So I can actually fact check you when it comes to color and film. Uh, being a film major in high school, like I was, I said I had to study film history for three years. Technicolor came out. Technicolor was first used in Gone with the Wind as like a test. It was really utilized in Wizard of Oz. That was the first time that Technicolor was really shown on the big screen was the Wizard of Oz. Given the fact that there's all these bright popping colors, they did that on purpose to show how good Technicolor is. Now, where the technology and the color aspect of this whole theory comes into is I think the more accurate quote unquote fact or evidence is the fact that how the broadcast signal from the shuttle to back to NASA to the public, we did not, or as far as I know, we didn't really have the ability to do that with color. Yeah, black and white. Yeah, we had to figure out we were able to do black and white for so long, broadcast that we broadcasted elections and speeches and all of these other things. We hadn't quite figured out how to do that with color yet. At least, as, at least that's where I was going with that, with that comment about the color aspect of it. I'm on, but I go, I'll go back to your point, which is. I kind of agree with you. If you can raise $30 billion to send someone to the moon, you're going to have a good camera fix to show people, hey, we did this really cool thing. Buy into what we're trying to sell you, basically. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So um, I was looking at, um, in some of my research, and I was trying to find it while you were talking. I just found it. Um, I found um, some of like the the big evidence pieces, like some of the other big evidence pieces right. that a lot of people use when talking about the the lunar landing being faked. Um, and somebody like uh, a, I don't, I don't know exactly who it is, but uh, like I found a few where people who are much, uh, much more well-versed than I am and mm-hmm. have like, you know, doctorates where they've spent their entire career and life studying this sort of stuff who talked about it. Um, one of the big ones that I've heard a lot <clears throat> 
in some of the pictures and videos, um, or like primarily the pictures though, because like the videos can be grainy oh, and stuff. In, in some of the pictures, um, you can see the horizon of the moon and just black like dark void behind them and a lot of people are like oh there's no atmosphere there's no artificial lights to block out stars you should be able to see stars it's clearly staged it's just it's just a stage but um i where i do have a little bit more experience is i've done a lot of photography Mm -hmm. i've done a lot of uh i've done some still life but i primarily do like love to do nature photography Mm -hmm. and i love to do nighttime nature photography and the problem with that is it's all ISO, like shutter speed yep. and aperture. And you you can, it doesn't matter. You can be sitting there and the stars can be brighter than anything you've ever they seen. But if up. your camera settings are set a certain way, they're not going to show up. Like, mm. Absolutely not. And another thing that happens, or another thing we don't think about, right, is it was actually daytime on the moon at that point in time. So the stars were present, but they were not near, not nearly the brightest thing in the sky. So... You would have had to have an extraordinarily long exposure time to maybe, maybe be able to resolve the stars there. Uh, so it's it's both of those things that are at play, right? So uh, ISO and, uh, and shutter speed, and then also the fact that there is another bright thing in the sky, right? The sun, the yeah. sun right? Yeah. And and the sun's going to wash out the stars. Exactly. And, well, and, well, I guess, sir, you go, you go first. Yeah, and if you have your if you have your like your settings set to be able to capture all of those stars, you're also on an environment where the entire like base plane is grayscale. And the people in the picture are wearing big white fluffy suits. Mm-hmm. So if you have it en- up enough to see the stars, they are just going to be blobs of light at that point. You're not going to like one of the most uh, famous pictures, it's an astronaut in sort of the center plane walking away from the camera. Mm-hmm. You can make out the American flag. You can make out that he's carrying stuff. It's something that you look at and it's like, oh, like he's got the American flag. But if they turn it up enough to see the stars, all of the white around the American flag, it's just going to blot it out. You're not going to be able to see that. You're not going to be able to make out as much detail. But hey, you'll get some stars. Like, I, I feel like if, if again, thinking from that perspective, if we're like, okay, we're going to get some pictures of our astronauts on the moon to be like, like, we did this. Um, I would say the astronaut being on the moon is the more important piece of that than image the than the stars in the sky. And I would agree with you in that sense. I feel like that that piece of evidence was like a more of a nitpick because people were running out of ideas. I feel like, ah, we need to prove that this is, you know, this is true and everything. Where are the stars at? You know, that that's just kind of one of those nitpicky things. It's kind of like, really? Like, if you just really sit down and think about it, you, you can easily explain why there's no stars in the sky. Because going back to what Dr. Sinclair was saying was simply the fact that, like, it is daytime. You know, the sun is there. We can't see the stars during the day. What makes you think we can see the stars when we're on the moon during the day? And then I, that goes to the whole idea of like, you know, there's the dark side of the moon. We've never really been there before. You know, what is on the dark side of the moon? But again, I that's a whole like kind of separate sub theory that we could get into when talking about this because like everyone like thinks the dark side of the moon is like infested with aliens or whatever, <laughs> things like that. And it's cr- just crazy, just crazy stuff because we've never been there I'm not saying we couldn't explore. I mean, we've got a high density enough lights. I'm pretty sure we could explore the dark side of the moon if we really, really, really <laughs> wanted to. I mean, Isn't I didn't it? realize you were going to be talking about Doctor Who, but yeah. Oh, again. <laughs> I was going to say the first thing that came to mind is like, isn't there a whole Transformers yeah, movie? There's, a whole, yeah. there's an entire yeah, yeah, Transformers yeah. movie about this. I Absolutely. mean, it's great for sci-fi because I, I like you, you have something that's close, like sort of close to Earth, like mm-hmm. close to us that you can use for like, oh, scary aliens are going to come right. from the dark side of the moon. But like for practicality reasons, it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> 
Um, I know, I know, uh, Dr. Sinclair, you can probably speak on this a bit better than I can because I was actually thinking about the point I was going to make and talk about. And I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure everything I was going to mention here, I learned in a Dr. Sinclair class, uh-huh. <clears throat> but you, you mentioned like not being able to see the stars in the daytime. And I would imagine that would be less of because the sun is the, in the sky and more of like light rays and refraction in the atmosphere. Right. So there is no atmosphere on the moon. Exactly. Right? That's so, what I was going to say. Um, that's why it looks black as, as opposed to blue, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you don't have that blue that you have. And really, you know, it, that's almost like a lie we tell ourselves that the, the sky is blue, right? It's the not. sky is like not black, right? It's kind of grayish, yeah. bluish. Like Isn't it whatever. a reflection of the ocean? Like no, that's what I was no, told growing yeah, up. I never believed yeah, it. That's, that's what I was told. I mean, growing that's a, up. it's that. Yeah, a lot of people were told that, right? It it has more to do with the wavelengths of light that, I are, that are bent uh, when the light hits the atmosphere. So those are those are a big thing that that shows up now. Um, so that's why you have the black sky as opposed to some colored sky, right? Mm-hmm. Is because you have nothing coming in, so you have white light sources coming down, and. Uh, it's always day on the moon, right? Like, I mean, we talked about this, right? You have the, the light side of the moon and the dark side of the moon because the moon's tidally locked, so it's always facing the earth in the oh, same way. Oh, is it really? Way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, you have a variety of issues. It's why, uh, it's why you know, you always see the man in the moon, right? Because you never see the dark side of the moon, mm-hmm. right? That would make sense. That <laughs> yeah. would make a lot of sense. Uh, and, and you have a variety of other issues uh, that are going on. Now, um, if, if we want to take a minute uh, and talk about two other big conspiracies. One that I think is the one that most people who are really serious about conspiracy theories like to go to, and that's the Van Allen belt. Do you guys know what the Van Allen belt I is? I do not. I've never heard of this. It does sound familiar, but I couldn't cite it to you right now. <laughs> okay. So, so the Van Allen belt is probably the most serious issue with uh, going to the moon. If you were uh, trying to be really serious about it. And that's um, when you think about the earth, right? The earth has a magnetic field and mm-hmm. part or charged particles are coming into the earth from the sun and a variety of other places and they get bent around the earth and that creates a sort of cloud of, of radiation more or less. Um, and, uh, the guy who discovered that his name was Van Allen. And for a moment, he, for about a year, he thought that, Oh, well, we can't leave the earth because you'll, you'll die from radiation exposure. And then he did the calculations on how fast you'd have to go to be leaving the earth and how thick the Van Allen belt is. And then he spent the rest of his life trying to, uh, undo the damage he did by saying that that would, you know, kill people and you wouldn't be able to leave. I made a mistake. Conspiracy. I made a mistake. I need to fix. Right. So, I mean, that's the wonderful thing about science is like we want to be wrong. Right. It's as soon point. as you're wrong, you you open up rich new theory. And that, mm-hmm. that's sort of the difference with some aspects of conspiratorial thought where you get locked into a worldview and and it's sort of a loss of identity to move outside of that conspiratorial worldview. And that's like one of the big differences between say this mindset and, and a scientific mindset. Now, <clears throat> when you think about the Van Allen belt, it is pretty thick. It's, you know, there, there's two big pieces of it and, and nothing in between. Uh, and each one might be a few thousand kilometers thick, oh, which, wow. which seems really thick, right? Yes. But uh, if you think back to your, um, you know, movies about space travel, right? You got to be moving pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, to leave the Earth's atmosphere, or the Earth, right? And the escape velocity of the Earth is about 11 kilometers a second. So, oh, <clears throat> gosh. So, you know, you're talking about maybe a couple thousand seconds, right? Or actually a couple hundred seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, so wow. that's like five minutes. And it's sort of like, uh, 
it's what you need for radiation to be dangerous, right? Is exposure plus time, because mm-hmm. uh, it's like it's like you're shooting the world's tiniest bullets at the world's tiniest targets. You're gonna miss a lot, uh, mm-hmm. and you have to have the hit for it to be an issue. Right. Uh, so you don't have that. That is really a problem. I mean, could it be a problem? Yeah, there are dangers associated with space travel beyond getting out and coming back, right? You have bone density issues that occur mm-hmm. from being in space and a variety of other things. The people that choose to spend their life going to space are courageous people who know that their life will probably be shorter because of it, right? And this could be a problem, but it's not a life-threatening problem. It's immediately life-threatening problem. The other one is in a lot of the pictures and as someone who does photography, I'm sure you, you could appreciate this. The shadows in the pictures are parallel, right? So they're, they're non-parallel shadows. And since the sun's the only light source, they should be parallel. Now, why aren't they parallel? Well, there's an obvious answer, uh, and, and a less obvious answer. The obvious answer is, well, when you project a three-dimensional image onto a two-dimensional image, oftentimes you lose the parallel lines, right? And yeah. as someone who does photography, I'm sure you're probably much more familiar with that than I am, uh, as someone who just sort of does the math, right? Right. <laughs> um, it can be very frustrating. Very much so. Right. <laughs> very but, much so. But you can't really go backwards there, right? Mm-hmm. I, I can say that they might be parallel. I can say that it doesn't prove that they aren't parallel. But because I wasn't on the moon with them, that is the one thing that we can't conclusively say isn't real evidence. Because scientists always want to be very careful with their language, right? When a scientist says something is going to happen for sure, that means it's really, I mean, really, 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 really going to happen for sure. Because we like to couch everything in the idea that we don't have perfect knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> when we say the Van Allen belt isn't an issue, Van Allen belt isn't an issue, right? When we say things like the stars not being there isn't an issue, it's because stars not being there aren't an issue. But I'll give <laughs> you the fact that those, I can't prove that those shadows should be parallel. <laughs> right, yeah. which, which is funny because I was doing a little bit of research uh, yesterday and before I came over here this morning of, you know, different, facts or tent poles or, you know, what, what are the big things about this theory that makes it a theory and something that's been, you know, pervasive in pop culture for the past 50 or so years or even, and even longer. One of them was that the whole thing about the shadows, which is the idea that like it should be parallel, but it's not. And I, I get what you're saying. It's because the idea, and just to reiterate what you're saying, it's because we're taking a photo, which theoretically is we're taking a two dimensional image of something that is three dimensional, right? Is that is that the way that you're okay? I just want to yeah. make sure that my, my I was understanding that correctly, which makes sense because you are. That's why I love so like like Riley's really into photography, and like I said, I was in I was in film when I was in high school. Like really, I made movies for four years. I had to, I know everything about camera ISO. When you said all those terms earlier, I was like nostalgia i was getting you know like <laughs> flashbacks to being in high school because i had to focus on those constantly and what's interesting what always interesting to me is that we're always obsessed with trying to put something super three-dimensional and has so many different aspects of it into a two-dimensional box and the idea that like the lines aren't parallel because of you know the way the photo was taken again like you said we can't conclusively say the lines are or are not parallel because a the sun like you said is the only light source but we just don't know because we weren't there. I would think that they were parallel, but just the way the picture was taken, because you got to think what kind of camera did they have? Right. Again, you, you, like you mentioned earlier, Riley, it's the idea that like, you know, we have $30 billion to send some people to space. We're gonna have really good cameras to be able to show people back on earth that we did this thing. Well, 
what kind of camera did we use? You know, what's the metal? What's the processing power? Like, what are because most of the things that we use on this planet probably couldn't survive in space just because of you know what they are. We had to use different materials, something similar. Like they did all the research for it. So what kind of camera did they use? There maybe there's something in the camera that they use that like the refraction just didn't capture it quite the right way. And all, all there's all these different aspects to explain that one thing. But I agree with Dr. Sinclair. Like that's the one thing that I come back to. That's like, I just don't know. I, I, ju- I really just don't know. See, Logan, I'd imagine. And again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Sinclair, but um, I'd imagine like light is going to travel differently in space. It's going to move at a different speed. It's going to like refract differently. So would it, would it affect how a camera functions? So that's an interesting question, right? Light would move at a different speed, but not by much, right? So okay. you're in a, you're in a vacuum as opposed to being in air, right? But if if you think way back to uh, the last time you were in one of my classes, I'll pull my notes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the index of refraction so is one my notebook. is one versus one point zero zero, right? So oh, so yeah, it's like yeah. one part in a thousand or five parts in a thousand, right? So yeah. it's it's not significant. In that regard, underwater, right, then you have an issue, oh, right? Yeah. Because now your index of refraction is 1.6 instead of 1, right? So that's a huge difference in terms of index of refraction and speed and a variety of other things. The, the, the truth of the matter is, right, the camera could work just fine, right? I can take plenty of pictures on the ground of parallel lines. And they don't look parallel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's not that the fact that they aren't parallel isn't expected, it's that I can't go backwards, mm-hmm. right? I can, I can, I can for sure say going forward that if I take two parallel lines and take that picture, I end up with uh, non-parallel lines. But going going backwards, I don't have the capability to to guarantee that they were parallel, right? Right, right. And it's it's that guarantee where a lot of this conspiratorial thinking can get its you know its fingers in, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know there, there are lots of things. I'm not willing to guarantee, right? Because my eyes lie to me, my ears lie to me, my brain lies to me, all these things. All I can say is to within, you know, what I believe is truth, right? So justified true belief, right? They Mm -hmm. were parallel lines. We made it to the moon, right? The earth isn't flat, right? Paul's not dead. (laughs) (laughs) Paul's not dead. (laughs) You know, um, all all those things I believe, I believe to be, I I believe to be true. And I I think there's plenty of evidence for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, there are other things, right, that, that are not true, right? Like, for example, the NFL owners did collude to make sure Colin Kaepernick didn't get a job in the NFL, right? <laughs> that's not a conspiracy theory. That's a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, to the point where they had to pay him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and that's really the difference, like conspiracy the- theory versus conspiracy. Yeah, actual conspiracy. Right. Because, um, like, there's a lot of those. And it's an important difference. Like, like, it's an important thing to differentiate um, and to keep track of. Because, uh, like you said it when we started and you've said it a few times throughout, um, there are conspiracies and they are real. And that's what makes conspiracy theories so alluring and fun. Uh, one of the other things you mentioned is like a lot of the time, some like, like you'll get a conspiracy theory in your head and then you're it's it's a natural thing to start to look for ways to prove that you're right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the true way to scientifically test these things is to immediately, at least in my mind, to immediately start looking for ways to prove yourself wrong. Yes. Right. Skepticism is a powerful tool. It right? is. It uh, is. That, I mean, and, and skepticism doesn't m- mean that you don't believe anything, right? It just means mm-hmm. that you... you Trust and verify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not necessarily that you don't believe anything, but maybe that you challenge everything you do believe. Absolutely. 
I mean, some of the best, uh, I, I study psychology, like that's what I'm getting my degree in. Some of the best articles I have ever read in the realm of psychology, I don't remember the guy's name. I wish I did now. Uh, but there is a researcher that um, will, like his, his entire thing, and one of the main reasons he's known is he will come up with a theory and then immediately start asking other people in the realm of like psychological study to prove him wrong. Mm-hmm. and start working with people. He'll come up with a theory and immediately go, okay, we need to prove this wrong. Let's work together and show me that I'm wrong. And his articles are some of the most uh, well-written, most intelligent studies that I've gotten to read, and they're fascinating because he'll open up with this hypothesis that is the opposite of his theory. He'll have a theory, and his hypothesis is that his theory is wrong, mm-hmm. and now he'll start doing studies to prove it wrong, and he's either going to prove it wrong, like, he's either going to find enough data to show that his theory um, is more like more than likely, without any sort of reasonable doubt, incorrect, or he's going to find data that supports his theory. And then, like, like I mean, I've I had one class where three or four weeks in a row, we read articles that were all over this guy's, like, one of this guy's theories, completely different studies, because he reached out to a bunch of different researchers and was like, hey, work with me. Show me that I'm wrong. Like, help me show that this theory has too much evidence against it and it's probably wrong. And so then they like would sit down and work with it. And you've got all of these different minds that are working together to show that the theory is wrong. And they ended up collecting an insane amount of data to show that it was more than likely an accurate theory. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole um paradigm of peer review right anytime that i want to claim something and i want to give it to the larger scientific community the first thing i do is i send it to a journal who distributes it to a bunch of people who don't know that i wrote it and then they try to tear it apart and then they send me their feedback and i don't know who did that right Mm -hmm. Uh, so they can't be biased based on knowing who i am because they might be my friends right and and i i can't take their criticism as being valid or invalid, because maybe we had an argument at a conference. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, and, and that's the whole sort of paradigm of, of scientific communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's the same thing with these, these ideas that get in our head that, that just like, like to bounce around. Um, and, and I really think conspiracy theories like to bounce around. Um, and, and if it was something as, as benign in some ways, right, as we didn't make it to the moon, well, that can give you a sense of identity, right, that, mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have otherwise. And as we've moved, I mean, I think this this podcast is an amazing idea, especially as we're moving sort of really out of, of a post-COVID world, right, mm-hmm. and we're getting back together because um, when we lost all that connectedness that we had before COVID, one place you could find community would be in the the weird spaces of the internet where yes. conspiracy theories are taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And if what you're wanting is this connection, this is a place to find it. And that's why things like conspiracy theory thinking is so intoxicating. Mm-hmm. It's why cults are intoxicating too, right? I mean, if I come into a dark place of the internet and I say, we didn't land on the moon, I'm going to get love bombed by a bunch of people who are like, oh yeah, did you know this? And did you know this? And did you know this? And all of a sudden I have a bunch of secret knowledge and that secret knowledge makes me happy, right? So it's it's an interesting idea. Um, and, and I think debunking it is is an interesting discussion too. What I find funny, so a lot of, you all have just discussed something 
very, very interesting and very, very cool. And there's just a lot to unpack there. And I, I was fascinated by that entire exchange. But what I find interesting the most is two things, A, or three things. First thing being what you described as the whole, if you have a hypothesis about something, try to prove it wrong first in order to prove it right. First thing being, that is such a, the perception of that is such a backwards way of thinking from my perspective that it took me a second to realize it's not backwards. It's just instead of going one way, you're just going the other way, right? Which I think, which I find really cool. Instead of it like being like going forward and backwards, you're instead of, you're going right or left. Like it's kind of how I see it now because instead of, it's just one path over another. The second thing being is what you described is a very scientific way of describing the whole meme of like, I believe this thing proved me wrong. Like that's, that's kind of like, it's just like dumb it down to more like pop culture kind of reference. It's like a, Hey, I believe this thing about this one thing. I'm sitting at a table, sipping a cup of coffee, prove me wrong. And I'm going to sit there and discuss with I mean, you why I'm wrong or right or whatever. Yeah. Like I, I think a good way to dumb it down, Logan, well, not, I don't want to say dumb it down, but I, like, I, hate, I hate using that term, but it's, it's a, I, that's why you just try to use the words like, um, make it more, it's to simplify, look at it through a different lens. lens right. Um, it really like comes down to, you can spend your entire life showing that something that you believe is true and finding as much data as you want to back it up, but it could take somebody five minutes with a different perspective or knowledge to go, well, this shows it's wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Like I could spend my entire life with a theory that I am the best driver in the, in the entirety of the United States. I am the number one driver in the entirety of the United States. And every time I go out and drive and I don't get into an accident or I fully stop at a proves. stop sign or I wait until a light turns green to start moving forward at all, like, like you can do whatever you want to show that you're right, but it could take, all it takes is one little bit of falsification to show that you're wrong. Which is but if you immediately seek the falsification, you'll either find it, you'll save yourself a lot of time and a lot mm -hmm. of embarrassment of mm -hmm. spending your entire life researching a theory that you die and, you know, 30 years later, somebody goes, no, this is wrong. You Or you can pursue that falsification, like you pursue that falsification, either you figure out like, oh, well, you know, I'm wrong. Maybe that happens in a month, maybe that happens in 10 years, but that way you, you show your own failure and your own mistake, which is a great lesson for not only you, but for other people looking at your work to learn from your failures. Or... You what, find evidence. Right. See, what's cool about that, Riley, is that kind of leads to what I was going to bring back up about what he just brought up was the, the whole thing of like secret knowledge. I, and as soon as he said that, I in the back of my head I went the perception of secret knowledge, yeah. because that is the basis behind any and all form of communication that people have where they feel like they know something that other people don't. Therefore, they think they I'm going to explain that's the basis of like my entirety of why I love knowing things, because I feel like I know things people don't. When I realize that they do, and so I have to sit there and compare notes to see if so I could to greater like, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Greater maximize the maximize the amount of knowledge that I know. And I feel like a lot of people are like that. They just choose different areas to maximize that knowledge in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like secret <clears throat> knowledge. It's like it's like drama in the social life. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. feels really good to be in on it, yeah. and sometimes it feels bad to be like out of it but like okay. if i look at if i look at both of you right now and i'm like okay hear me out right i know something about this radio station that neither of you know i know some like here's who told it to me and i actually have evidence to back it up and then i don't tell you well now it's like wait like what what do you you can't just leave me hanging exactly can't leave me you get a little bit of like wait like i want to know the secret thing like i want to know this cool thing and i like personally I, I don't have anything to back this up i would see that as a connection to um like 
humans and humanity's desire to learn and to mm-hmm. like collect new knowledge. So when knowledge becomes something secret or something, ooh, not everybody knows this, now that knowledge feels so much better. Which is why I find which is why I think, okay, and this is gonna this is a hot take and I this is gonna sound really messed up, but bear with me for a second. Banning books as a idea is interesting to me because that explains exactly what you just said. If the government sits there and goes, hey, there's this one thing that we don't think you should read, I want to read that book even more now because why are you telling me not to read it? Why are you holding <laughs> this piece of knowledge from me, a general citizen? Yeah, it's a don't eat the cookie out of the cookie jar. Now you really want to eat, eat that the cookie, cookie. Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. And it's um, just, that, again, going back to what Dr. Sinclair said earlier, that's why conspiracy theories are so intoxicating because there's this idea of wealth of knowledge and truth and perce- perspective that not a lot of people share. And something that's new, different, and exciting is new, different, and exciting. And that really intrigues people. Doesn't mean it's always good. Doesn't mean it's always bad. But it is definitely new, different, and exciting. Oh, yeah. Like, I've been sitting here the whole time. I have a page open that I keep looking at because I'm like, ooh, when's the best time to bring this up? Because I feel like I've got secret knowledge here. Like, at the start, we said the, the dog that went to space is Cosmo. Oh, it's not. It's not Cosmo. It's not Cosmo. And so I've been sitting here. I keep looking down at the name. Like, I'm looking at the breed. And I've got, and like, when you said secret knowledge, I realized, like, I have the excitement right now of having this small piece of secret knowledge that doesn't really matter at all, but it's um, it's activating those like happiness centers mm-hmm, in the brain mm-hmm. where it's like, ooh, like, like I've got this. Um, so, but yeah, to, to not hold out too much longer, um, I, Cosmo is actually a character from Marvel Comics. This is what I brought it's up. A, yeah, I was about to say Marvel I've Comics. been playing too much Marvel Snap. That's so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, was like, oh, that's how I knew the name of the dog. Is it from Marvel Comics? Is the dog in Guardians of the Galaxy is named Cosmo? The the misunderstanding is super understandable though, um, because one of the other names that the dog is commonly referred to as is Curly, which is pretty close. I mean, it's not like right there, but. When I you thought try it was recall. because of Cosmonaut. That's right. Why, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's also why I thought that. But the dog's actually name, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. Um, Go for oh, it. Oh, wait. No, there's like a whole pronunciation guy. I'm still going to probably pronounce <laughs> it wrong. Uh, but it's Laika. Okay. Laika. Um, and uh, its breed is listed as mongrel, possibly part husky and part terrier, potentially part Samoyed. Hmm. Didn't the Russians also. And it is a cute dog. Didn't the uh, Soviets also send a monkey to space? Or was that us? Someone so, said someone said I a monkey. believe someone did. Someone said a monkey yeah. to space. I know that much. But again, like it just that's just kind of one of those Oh yeah, this happened. But the point is but that, that's funny because Riley brought up brings up a very valid point and that's that's another thing too about conspiracy theories and and what I love to talk about which is like the mixture of media because I'm a communications major yeah. and my emphasis is media studies. I've been fascinated with media ever since I got exposed to it watching movies, TV shows, books, what, whatever However you want to slice it, media is media. And the influence that media has on our lives is so much larger than I think people actually kind of, people can actually quantify because what we know about space can be explained any which way, whether it be you studied it, you watched it in a movie, you listened to a podcast about it. Like we all have this perception of what we know about space based off of the media that we consume. Like I've watched probably, I've watched a lot of movies over my entire life. You know, I can go with Transformers. I can go with Hidden Figures. I can go with, like, name me a space movie I've probably seen. I One I can't say I haven't seen yet is Armageddon, even though I know it's a really good movie. My point being is that we have all these perceptions of the things that we, 
know something about, but don't really know anything about because of the way media sells it to us. And I just, I always find that like, again, secret knowledge. We think they have the secret knowledge of this thing. Therefore we buy into it. Even if we don't believe that we still going to buy into it because it's cool and entertaining and makes our brains go ha ha funny. Absolutely. And when you think about conspiratorial ideas and media, the first thing I think of is X-Files, right? Oh, yes. And, and a lot of times media shows us ourselves, but sort of in a funny glass mirror, right? So like, like mm-hmm. a clown glass. But when you look back at some of the stuff that X-Files showed in the 90s, like the 90s was conspiracy theory heaven. Oh, yeah. Um, and... And it was almost like walls, it was. To- it was almost like it was toned down. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um. So yeah, ta- talking about secret knowledge in the media. Um. Running a little like later on time here. We can we can we can wrap up now. Before we wrap up our thoughts about the lunar landing and about the discussion we've been having and sort of get to that. Uh, I want to pose to you all a very short paragraph in the footnotes from the Linen Murder Truth website. Oh, gosh. Just to, just to go back to it, oh, I want to hear Dr. Before Sinclair's we get to that, can I ask thoughts? one final question? Yeah, go ahead. So you kinda, I kind of mentioned this earlier is the one question I always like to ask when we talk about conspiracies, and that is, if it were true, like if we were to somehow, some way, find out that the moon landing was fake, how do you think that would impact people in society? I mean, do, do people really trust the government? Like, as far as I, as far as I know, no. But I go back to the, and I ask this with every conspiracy theory because it, that's the, it's always the interesting part about the idea of secret knowledge is that once we have it, well, what does that mean? What does yeah. it mean? Like, it, what if it like again? What if it was actually true that Paul McCartney was dead? What if it's true if the Illuminati actually exists? Like, in my opinion, there's different varying levels of impact that each conspiracy theory could have if true. But I always, I always, I like to ask people from a different perspective of if it were true, how would that impact society? How do you think it would? I don't think it would. I mean, I think it's on the order of Paul is dead, not on the order of if the Illuminati actually. Yeah, I mean, I think so many people like already firmly believe it's true, and there's like a, you know so many people like you said. Does anybody really trust the government? I honestly think it would be like something that was a big deal for like a week. And then people would forget about it Yep. Mm-hmm. because something new big would happen. And I feel like know. it would do two things. It would a invalidate the entirety of NASA for one. Secondly, it would invalidate the entirety of the generation X uh, or, or any, any, anybody gen X and older. Cause I'm assuming around the time the moon landing happened, that's when the gen Xers were roughly the kids and then the boomers. That was around the time they were adults. Like that was a huge staple in their lives. Like the fact that we put a man on the moon you know, for millennials and Gen Z's, uh, for the younger generations, we were born way after that and we'd have less impact with that. So I think it would kind of invalidate their entirety of their childhood and adult life. I'm just saying. I mean, I think, I think Xers would feel validated in some ways. I mean, they were the first, in my mind at least, real skeptical Which is fair. Uh, generation in some ways. Uh, and, you know, the, I mean, I, when I was in when I was in undergrad, like a book came out called like Truthiness about like the the idea that we don't we don't get to consume unfiltered truth anymore, mm-hmm. and like it'd just be like everything else. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like what else is new? <laughs> yeah, move on. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I know uh, my my parents are both like Generation X, um, which I'm sure is is just fun to hear. Uh, for somebody like older than me, but um, I know like at least talking to specifically my mom, 
um, the lunar landing was of far less significance to like her life and um, like what she talks about to like the Challenger. Yeah, I was um, alive for yeah. Challenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I've heard more about the Challenger than I'd ever did the moon landing. My, my mom has a perfect memory of being element, like in elementary or, or middle school or high school mm-hmm. or something, and they had the entire school come to watch the Challenger launch because it was such a big deal. And so she was like, I can fully remember it. She she mentions the Challenger explosion. And then the other one she mentions, I'm sure anybody 9/11. would mention, is 9-11, watching yeah. it happen. Yep. And, yeah, I was in high school um, physics when it happened. Yeah, because yep. my, mom, my, my mom, she would talk about the, um, like a lot of times, like the Challenger explosion, talking about that. But like, uh, and that doesn't even come to pace mm-hmm. with like, like, 9-11 yeah um and so i I honestly oh gosh i mean like i i can't say everybody right because um scientific talk like my sample size is very small but um i would say like yeah the lunar landing isn't as big of a deal than some of the other things you know what i believe the moon is made out of doesn't depend whether or not some person put their foot on it yeah right (laughs) you know that's 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 a i feel like it's a great way to end it off with just that statement alone okay so going back to your thing yeah so I, I'm just going to just just to get some of your quick thoughts on it and then we'll wrap up here. I'm going to read you a paragraph from this website. Uh, it's linenmurdertruth.com. Um it's in his footnotes. This is this is part of Okay, so um several years ago, Charlie Rose of television fame was on top of the world getting media perk after media perk after interviewing Stephen King three times in one year when nobody else would. Suddenly, he was seen everywhere, rewarded for providing King with interviews. Then, flushed with success, one day, he tried to give an AM newswoman a kiss on live television and was last seen off all media air entirely. I call that the Stephen King curse. So, like, because someone (laughs) is... Guilty of sexual assault doesn't mean they should be kicked out of all media. I'm very confused by I'm that. I'm very whole. confused so, by it too. I think what he's trying to say is the the Stephen King curse is that um, you're around Stephen King, you get super popular, and, and then, then you just and then disappear. some sort of thing happens to make you disappear. I think what this more is is it kind of sounds like this guy was just like a big jerk. Yeah, this man yeah. has a really big um, bone to pick with Stephen King. I don't I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, hey, this guy like assaulted somebody on live television. It's because of Stephen. King and it's like no I think it's because he's a bad person yeah <laughs> like I, I, going back to this, when we originally were talking about this last week the big thing that po- Riley pointed out that I found hilarious was the fact that there's this theory that this guy came up with that King Stephen King killed John Lennon and the big like tent pole for his entire argument is the fact that Stephen King hasn't denied it yet Stephen King hasn't said no I didn't kill him he said no comment, comment. Exactly like, come like on, that. Man. Really? <laughs> like that's your that's your big staple. I mean, Stephen King's a funny guy. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that seems like something. And again, he would any do. Publis- any he, publicity is good publicity. Even he if it's probably bad. heard it and was like, oh, "I'm a mess with this guy." I don't know how old Stephen King is, but how old would he have been when Lennon died? Ooh, I'm not sure. That's a very good question. What do you know? What year John Lennon died? Ooh, 1981. 1981. King was born September 21st, 1947. Also, he would have been in his 40s. Yeah, like 30s, 40s area. Yes, they um, roughly would have been about the same age. Roughly. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> it's just... 40. Like, it's looking through this... I mean, and that's one of the Stephen more... Stephen about 80 years old right now, roughly. 75. 75? There, okay. That's one of Unclosed. the more coherent paragraphs in, in this entire website. <laughs> wow. Oh, God. This is not a two-way street, right? Like, there are plenty of normal people who, who get trapped in conspiracy thinking. But people with... 
uh, a, a predisposition towards disordered thinking are also going to get stuck there. So yeah. that's not uncommon. I mean, no. that's yeah. just the way it is. Just, but just to react to that paragraph alone, I, I don't, I can go back to, I'm speechless. Like that, that's exactly how I felt last week. I, I don't understand what this man has against Stephen King to the point where he <laughs> thinks just because one dude interviewed him one, a couple of times, like three times that he suddenly disappeared from media just because he tried kissing. Like again, sexual assault, bad. And that's exactly why he got taken off the air. Not has nothing to do with Stephen King. Has absolutely nothing to do with Stephen King. What does this man think Stephen King's a devil incarnate? I'm so confused. Dude must have really hated like The Shining or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so of course he has more. He has more visibility because he he interviewed Stephen King, right? Because right. he has more visibility, then he's going to have more access. And if you're a jerk and you have more access, you're going to do jerk things in public, yeah. right? So I mean, it, it doesn't have to be Stephen King. It would have been anybody, right? He, I mean, so, but maybe it was Stephen King's. So in a in a manner of thinking, maybe it was Stephen King's. So I don't know. Like I said, I'm trying to. I've been trying to rationalize this theory for a week now. I and don't I, think it's possible. I just don't, I don't think it's possible. I mean, is, is the fall of grace of Kanye West, the Kim Kardashian curse? Like, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, this is, I, I mean, but it's the same you thinking, can say the same right? thing yeah. about Ray J. Oh, oh sure. No. Right. So, so oh, it's just God, silly. Dr. No, Claire, my no. point is it's silly. My point is it's <laughs> yeah, silly. Right? It's definitely like ju uh, just because you have association with somebody and then you have bad behavior, right? Doesn't yeah. mean that it's that other person's fault, right? You, you get can't more access. blame your, yeah. You get See, more access I feel like and a, you're a jerk. You have more access to do jerk things. Right, but I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah. I feel like that's a common misconception that a lot of just general people have those like ah you're in association with this one person by association like that's like guilty by association yeah. right like that's one of my biggest like knocks on that entire like guilty by association works yeah. in a lot of sense because <laughs> it is true you're around somebody for a very specific thing and you didn't say anything against that you are guilty by association but if you're really just around the person and then something else happens to you completely unrelated to that person that that does not it's not copacetic. It just Cle does not work. Clearly Stephen King's fault. I, uh, I, anyway, <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, we can sort of wrap up here. Um, so we like to end off our show by giving a simple like one to ten rating um, of the coffee and then like a one to ten rating of the conspiracy. So Dr. Sinclair, like one out of ten on the coffee itself. What do you think? I, so it's a little darker than I usually go with, but for that it's, I mean, fantastic. So I'd say a nine... Wow. Oh, okay. Logan? Uh, I'm sticking around a seven. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm going to, I'm going with like a four. I don't have anything against it. Um, I just, I, I'm not a fan of some of the flavor notes, you know? Yeah, I, I can kind of agree with that. So that's, that's when I, when I took the first sip and I just, that taste that hit my tongue, I was like, that's odd. It's not bad. No, not at but all. But it's odd. It's just not my preferred. Yeah. I would agree with that. So that's interesting because for me, it's because I don't usually like this, but this is good. It makes me inflate the rating. I so, see. right. So it's, uh, so it's like clearly well executed for what it's trying to go for. Oh, for sure. Right? I, I agree with that hundred percent. I mean, it's probably one of the most flavorful cups of coffee I've had. It's Agreed. just not a flavor I prefer. Absolutely. That I definitely think that the one we had last week, the Volcanica was oh, really good. And absolutely. then, or was that last week or the week before? Um, that was, Ooh, was I'm that Area sure. 51? Yeah, it was Area 51. Yeah, and then so the one we had, the first episode we did, by far, I think that's still my favorite one. It's very good. Yeah, that one was very good. My, I'm usually a Jamaica Blue kind of guy. So. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I think our good. first one, it was an Ethiopian. Yeah, it was. Um, it was very, it very was, good. It was but good. Along the same lines, um, rating the coffee, one out of ten. Uh, conspiracy, you know, like a one out of ten rating. If you want to mention why you're giving it the rating you are, feel free. 
I would say it's a five. It's not convincing. It's also not hurtful, right? So, like, it doesn't lose points for being hurtful, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't gain points for being particularly uh, grasping. Yeah. Uh, so. I would say also a five for a s- s- slightly different reason. That being, by the time I learned about this conspiracy and, like, started investigating it, it became so oversaturated. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's become so conventional. <laughs> as a conspiracy theory or I'm like, like I, yeah, the moon landing may be fake, maybe not fake. I really don't care. There's, there's other theories out there mm-hmm. that I could find vastly more interesting either because they're older and no one really talks about them or they're newer and they're still developing. I'm, I'm going to give it an eight for, okay. I've got like two reasons that sort of go together. The first one is I love space. I love space. I love space exploration. If there was ever a time where it was like, Hey, uh, we have these super fancy spaceships. We want people to pilot them and go explore the galaxy and universe. Right, like I'm signing up. up. It's mm-hmm. easy. It's it's not even a choice. Like I will. I want to go because I love space. I love space exploration. Like the new telescope that they sent up recently to take pictures with is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. But the other reason is, and I'll, I'll sort of uh, um, put a put a little bit of myself out there with this. Uh, I did used to believe this conspiracy theory. And so I did a lot of research into it and I did exactly what we talked about of going to confirm until a friend of mine was like, hey, try to prove yourself wrong. And so I did more research. So I really enjoy the theory because I've researched it a lot mm-hmm. and I, I showed myself that it is more plausible that it did happen than it didn't. Um, Cause I used to like the Van Allen belt was sort of a big thing. I'd be like, there's no way. Um, and then, you know, it was like, prove yourself wrong. And also we have people actively on the ISS. Like, yeah. Yeah. look at that. And it's like, Oh, you know, like that, that does. Um, so yeah, I, I like, I'll give it an eight, but, um, it, I, I think it's a fun one, but you know, I do like what yeah. you said though. Like it doesn't lose points for being hurtful because we try to avoid like some of the more hurtful conspiracies oh, or gosh. ones that, you know, like diminish the deaths of people mm-hmm. yeah. or like make light of people's deaths. Cause like, like people there's a lot of conspiracies that surround events where people died and like a lot of people died and it's and the families the, of those people I'm sure would not appreciate some random college kids in a studio diminishing the value of those lives. Correct. Yeah. The you vast know? majority of uh, engaged conspiracy theories are very harmful. Very. Mm-hmm. And this very. is not one that is right. It's Agreed. either people who died or a veiled attempt at I mean, bigotry. You see, <laughs> you see Alex Jones with the huge fines he got hit with lately yep. because of the conspiracies he spread. So, wow. and again, he didn't get as much as he deserved. That yeah. is very true. And, going, and like going back to what you said, Doctor Sinclair, simply the fact, like, agreed, it's not hurtful. This is just simply of did it happen? Did mm-hmm. it not happen? And there's a lot of the theories that simplify to that level, but I don't think are should be simplified to that yeah. level because, again, like you said, there's so much more at stake for other like events that have happened that have conspiracy theories surrounding them than something like this. Cause no one died. Like nothing bad happened. It just did it happen. Did mm-hmm. it not happen is more of the, more of the question we're focusing on. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well this was awesome. Uh, we really appreciate you for joining us, Dr. Sinclair. I think it, it was a very fun discussion to have. Um, and I loved some of your insights on it. Uh, we also want to uh, thank the radio station uh, WKWC 90.3 for letting us use their recording studio. It is an amazing blessing. If you got any ideas, you can send it, you can email the station and let us know ideas for coffee or conspiracies. Uh, you can email us at pantherradio at kwc.edu and make sure in the uh, tagline you put coffee and conspiracies dash idea and then explain to us what your idea is. Dr. Sinclair, anything you want to say before we head out? <laughs> I think this is a great idea and thanks for letting me come on and 
and have some fun with you guys. Happily. Yeah, thanks for joining us. This is probably the closest I'll ever get to having an intellectual conversation with Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Um, Maybe one day we'll get Maybe one day. God, I would love that. That would be so much fun. Um, All right. Well, the the most important note, the one that we always end our uh, our podcast off on that we'll we'll sort of give to you right now uh, is always remember everything is a simulation. Wake up, Neo. Follow the white rabbit.